We're going to look today at a new sermon series called Summer in the Psalms. We're going to spend all summer long uh, looking at the book of Psalms uh, from about the middle of your Bible. You can turn there if you want to. We'll be in Psalm chapter 1 today, or not even chapter 1. It's appropriate to say Psalm 1, the first Psalm. Uh, We're going to look at that today. If you don't know much about this uh, book of the Bible, I want you to know that It is a collection of songs or poems that are from the deepest places uh, in the seat of human life. You might say from deep in the spirit or deep in the heart, but from the deep down places where we uh, love the most dearly. I mean, where we we hurt the most badly, Uh, where we suffer and, and, and have pain, where we're lonely. Uh, the Psalms are, are not uh, one-dimensional. Many of them are worshipful to God, as you would read. But many of them are crying out to God, asking for rescue. Some of them, in exasperation, uh, plead before God, God, won't you help me? Lord, where are you in my need? Uh, if you've never read through the Psalms, I, I commend this to you. And, and it's a book of the Bible that you'll find yourself going back to over and over again, preaching through over and over again, uh, because it so touches and it so connects with where we are humanly. As we seek to relate to God and what he's called us to, uh, it is a treasure of value to the believer. And so today we're going to read the very first psalm, written as they all are from the perspective of one who has been through the ringer with God. Uh, This is not one who has not sinned. It is not one who has not suffered. It is not one who has not lost. It is not one who has not felt helpless. This is one who has lived life with God. And through all these range of emotions has come out knowing that it is blessed to be faithful to Yahweh. That, That through it all, even the ups and the downs and the giving and the taking and the the closeness and the distance, that it is, in the end, worth it to stand with Jehovah. And so we're going to read this together uh, from from the part of it was on the video, but we're going to read it together now from Psalm Psalm 1, verse 1 through 6. Blessed. That word simply means the favor of God, the presence of God, the provision of God. It means to be satisfied it means to be full and at rest in spirit blessed or happy even is the man or the person who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers pay attention to those words there they're not accidental Uh, the standing the walking the sitting the wicked, the sinners, the scoffers. There's meaning there that we're going to look at together. Verse 2, but his delight is in the law or the teaching, the scripture, the ways of the Lord. We hear the word law in modern times and we think of, you know, you're breaking the law or speeding. Uh, The law of the Lord is the richness of his wisdom provided to humankind through his word even through the Lord Jesus himself. And so this man's delight is not, you wouldn't say necessarily only on the rules of the Lord, although that's there. But you would say 
on the wisdom, on the teaching of the Lord. His delight is there. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. The word meditates there uh, literally means murmurs or mutters. You ever heard someone walk around just muttering? You know, just, uh, you know, it, it, that's the meditation that's in view here. The law of God, he's taking it into himself. He's reciting it. He's walking around meditating on it day and night. Verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Verse 4. The wicked are not so, but are like shaft that the wind drives away. And so we see here in Scripture a, a, a very clear distinction between what is referred to in a moment as the righteous and what is referred to as the wicked. Uh, the blessed man who, who, who meets this criteria here, uh, he meditates. He's like a stream. He's planted. He's fruitful. He's blessing. He doesn't wither. He prospers. The wicked are not so. But are like shaft when the wind comes and the scorching heat that would wither the leaf, that would uh, halt the fruit. Guess what? Uh, that comes upon the righteous and the unrighteous. But the righteous man, what? He stands, he stands nourished as a tree planted by a stream of water. The wicked, they do dry apart. So that when those winds blow, just like sawdust, just in the wind. They're not planted. They don't. Stand firm. Therefore, verse 5, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For Yahweh, for the Lord, knows. Yada is that uh, ancient word to know. Knows the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked will perish. We're going to examine together. This is a pretty heavy psalm, isn't it? I didn't realize that. I just read it out loud to you. I mean, whoo! I mean, it's uh, pretty heavy, but we're going to uh, look at this together, and we're really going to examine the life of the blessed man. Now, I don't mean to ignore the, the, the fate of the wicked here, and we won't do that, but the emphasis to honor the direction of God's word here is on the righteous or the blessed man and how we can understand what that means. So let's examine three lessons from the life of this blessed man. The first is this. It matters where you lead your life. It matters where your steps take you in this life. And we see that very clearly with the comparison right here at the beginning. There are two patterns of a downward cycle here. And the first has to do with the actions of the man. What does he do? He walks, first of all. And then what does he do? He stands, right? And then he sits. There's a downward cycle in the relationship to uh, godlessness here. Uh, first, he's walking around. He's moving. And the counsel of the wicked is all around him. And pretty soon, he finds himself standing there for a moment. You ever had somebody... You visit someone's house and you're there on the doorstep and they say, why don't you stay a spell? Is that a Georgia thing? In Tennessee, we, people say, well, just stay a spell. He finds himself uh, going into the kitchen. That's what it means to 
stay a spell. You walk in the kitchen and they give you some sweet tea. They start talking to you. You chat about what you see on the wall and you hear stories about their life. And, you know, you kind of get to know them better, right? You develop a fondness for one another. There's a comfort there. I mean, you're in the house for a minute. And there's a comfort that develops here. The, the, the man is walking. And you know what? He says, you know, I think I'll stay a spell among the sinners. I mean, I think I'll talk with them and learn a little bit about what hangs on the wall of their lives. And I want to hear the stories of, and there's a fondness that, that grows. And there's a cycling downward to the point that in a moment, that standing has become what? Sitting. I mean, he goes in the living room with them. He sits down in Paul's recliner, right? That's a no-no, y'all. You know, you don't sit there. But he goes in and he sits a spell. I mean, he, he sits there and makes himself right at home. Among whom? Among the scoffers. Right? It, it's a downward cycle and it's a warning to us that there is care to be taken. That we do not grow comfortable slowly, like the frog uh, gradually warmed up in the, the pot of ultimately boiling water, that we do not grow comfortable in this world of brokenness and sin. There's a downward cycle, but there's a downward cycle with regard also to the condition of the godless. The first word here is wicked. I mean, he does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. That's just a general godlessness. That's just flesh doing what flesh does. But then there's a, a, a standing in the presence of what? Sinners. Sin is a different word than wickedness. A sinner is one who knows the standards of God, to whom the righteousness of God is not a stranger, and yet he willfully and knowingly defies that. He's a sinner. And so he's standing or walking in the, in the counsel of the wicked, and pretty soon he's standing in the way of sinners even. And then lastly, the last downward cycle is Scoffers. The last form or condition of the wicked here is that they are scoffers. This is someone who knows, who sins, and who doesn't care. In fact, they scoff. What, whatever. Hey, hey, that's, that's against the, uh, God's righteousness. Who, whatever. God who, right? They scoff at it. This is the guy who comes in on Monday morning to work or to school guys talking about how trashed he got over the weekend and just reveling in it. There's no shame. He scoffs at the notion that it's even wrong or that there's a God at all. This is the one who talks uh, with just a profuse vulgarity about the girls he dealt with over the weekend when he comes back to school on Monday morning. I was at the beach a few weeks ago and sitting there near the pool, overheard someone uh, say something. I, I, don't, I mean, hesitate to even repeat it here. Uh, you've heard people say, oh, my God, right? Well, she inserted an expletive after my and before God. Oh, my God. Listen, I was sitting 30 feet away, and that frightened me. That is the scoffer who not only it's not enough to take the Lord's name in vain, they're going to add that, that into there, and this is the downward cycle that is happening here. And the caution is that we are not to walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. And the counsel of the wicked here, it simply means this. It's words. 
its principles, its ways, its insights, its wisdom, shaped by a fallen world, a well-worn path by which they want you to order your steps. Here's what I mean by that. When I was uh, in, in elementary school, we had what's called the safety patrol. Who had the safety patrol in elementary school? Who was on the safety patrol? I should have known. Uh, but uh, yeah, you're, I mean, the safety patrol, they give you these orange belts that cross over you. And they give you a badge. And when you give a fifth grader a badge, that's an invitation, don't you think? <laughs> I mean, the, the nicest, sweetest little fifth grade guy with his hair combed, and yes, sir, yes, ma'am, it becomes like the Moscow Gestapo. I mean, you give him a badge. It's like the secret, Russian secret police. And they stand there at the water fountain. You know how they do. You stand there on the staircase. You're not supposed to skip the stairs. That was a rule in my school. So it's to go up the right and go down the right, given your perspective. You go up and down opposite sides, and they would stand there. And if you crossed over the middle of the staircase, even a little bit, man, they were on you. There's a way that you were supposed to what? Walk. And there is a way, according to the wisdom of the world, according to the counsel, the counsel of the wicked, that you and I are expected to order our steps to walk by the standards of sinful man. Let me ask our students today. Is there a wisdom, students? I mean, is there a, a, a principle out there uh, in your schools? When you go to school, when you talk to your friends, is there a, a prevailing uh, way of looking at things with regard to dating relationships and sexual behavior? You better, you better believe there is. There is a counsel that this world wants to give to us. There is a counsel uh, of, of how to order our steps. And when we don't do that, many times they look at us like we're crazy. In fact, 1 Peter says this, they are astonished. The Bible says this, they are astonished when you do not rush with them into the same flood of wickedness and they vilify you for it. Yeah, there's a, there's a standard, there's a counsel uh, of this world. Word homophobia, thrown around a lot. Say if you, stand, uh, if you stand for what God teaches and you are homophobic, Phobic means fearful, afraid, phobia, phobos, right? Uh, if you stand with God, then it must be that you're afraid or that you're bigoted. You hate. You're hateful. It's thrown around at us. That's the wisdom of this world. Let me tell you, I want our young people, and I want you all to know today, and someone looks at you and says, hey, you must be homophobic. You can stand with God on this matter and not be fearful and not be hateful and not have a phobia and not be a bigot. It's not that we hate others, but it is that we have loved God and we believe God and what God says, we say. We tell the truth. You can tell the truth without having to buy into the counsel of this world. When it comes to abortion, the counsel of this world is that it is health care, that it is a choice, right? The counsel of this world, 
We don't walk there, do we? When it comes to materialism, more is better. Spend, spend, spend. Debt, debt, debt. The best, best, best. For me, me, me. Uh, there's a counsel of this world. The Bible says don't walk in the counsel of this world. Don't stand in the way of sinners and don't sit in the seat of scoffers. There's also a pattern of delight here. And I want you to see this, that uh, the reverse of this wicked behavior is not righteous behavior. Wouldn't that make sense? Uh, don't stand here, don't walk here, don't sit here. Wouldn't the reverse make sense to be like, this is where you stand, this is where you sit, this is where you walk, but that's not true. The opposite of the behavior here is a pattern of what? Delight. Why is that? Because our behavior is a product of what? Our delight. It's a product of our delight. Because of the delight here, the man is murmuring, he's meditating on what matters to him. You ever been in the shower, you can't write something down, and all of a sudden you think, oh, I've got to pick this up at the store, right? Oh, and I also got to make this phone call today. And uh, you know, then I got, to, I got to take the kids to soccer or wherever you got to go, right? And you're muttering. You're trying to remember it until you can get to write something down. Maybe you make up a song about it like I do. I sing about it, you know, pick up the kids, drop off the dry cleaning, make this phone call. You, you, pick, you, you sing a song. You're mut just muttering to yourself about it. You ever been on the phone with a credit card company? And they say, yeah, we've got the problem all taken care of. Here's your confirmation number. Ready? <laughs> what do you say? Yeah, I'm ready. You're driving the car. You're not ready. You say, yes, I'm ready. I think I'm just going to remember it, right? Until it gets to the 23rd digit, you know? And you say, <laughs> then they say, recite it back to me. You're like, click. You know, just uh, you, you mutter. You know, one, two, three, seven, six, nine. You know, you, you're walking around muttering. This man here, because his delight is on the wisdom of Yahweh. And he's, he is meditating. He's, he's muttering or murmuring. And he's, he's reciting it to himself. You know, my memory verse uh, for this week is, uh, has been um, from uh, Timothy, from the letter to Timothy. Says, this is a trustworthy saying and full, uh, worthy of full acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Imagine yourself. This is, a, this is a trustworthy saying and deserving the full acceptation that Jesus came into the, the world to save sinners of whom I'm the foremost. Then you're at the grocery store waiting in line. You, you want to pull out your phone and just catch up on Facebook. But instead, and this is a trustworthy saying and fully, fully, uh, worthy of full acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners oh, of whom I'm the foremost. And you're struck with that for a moment. Not the foremost that he came into the world to save you. Then later on, you, you're doing something else. You, you could just, but you could let your mind wander into the dentist office. But you, you know, you know, this is a worthy, trustworthy saying, and fully worthy of full expectation that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners, of, of whom I'm the foremost. And you realize who came in the world to save sinners? It was Christ. He came from heaven. We sang earlier that that uh, you spoke the name of Jesus into the darkness. When there was darkness, friend, you had a name to speak. There's no guarantee. You don't deserve that. But because Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, the, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptation. He came into the world when you were in darkness and needed a name to pronounce to that darkness. There was one. And he had given his blood and had risen from the dead. 
We're muttering the things of God. We're, we delight in those things. And that changes our behavior. We don't have to worry about standing, sitting. We're delighting in the law of Yahweh. We're delighting in that. And it changes everything. The reality here is that where you place the pleasure of your life, where you place your delight, is where you're going to find your behavior. It changes, right? Your delight changes your behavior. Where your heart delights, your feet will take you, right? You'll find yourself in those places. You want to say, where does my heart delight? Let me give you some instructions of where you can look. Open up your calendar for a minute. Open up the Google Calendar, whatever you use, and look at those days and listen for a minute for the murmuring. What's it murmuring about your delight? That calendar is going to show what your delight is. It's saying, it's saying something. You open up your calendar and you're going to see it there. You open up your text messages. Open up your TikTok. Open up your Snapchat, students. Look at them and read through them. It's going to be murmuring something. It's going to be telling about your delight. Open up your bank statement. See where the money is going. Open up your odometer. If your odometer had a diary, where, where, where's most of you that, that rubber laid? Here's the reality. Where your heart delights is going to be the place that most of the sole of your shoe and the tread of your tires lays rubber all over this place. The delight of your heart is going to be the place that your feet decide to go. Look at that. The murmuring and meditation here are the product of delight. And where your heart delights, your feet will go. Do you need to change your delight today? Secondly, circumstances. Second lesson here. Circumstances are not your source. They're not your source. Verse 3. This man is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all he does... He prospers. The life of the blessed man here reminds the psalmist of another phenomenon, right? It reminds him of a, of a tree that he's seen, planted there beside the waters. And the tree has three qualities. It never fails to yield fruit. Never. There's not been a season that it failed to yield fruit. And besides the fruit, even the leaf does not even wither, ever. And it prospers in all circumstances. I think that's what it means here. In all he does, he prospers. It, it means whatever, come what may, the tree prospers. The man prospers. We were at Burger King recently, and um, I know we had shortages of a lot of things. Toilet paper, you know, uh, baby formula right now. We had a gasoline shortage for a period of time. But we were at Burger King, and something happened I never thought would happen. We ordered a hamburger, actually a cheeseburger. And the voice came back crackling through the speaker. It just said, we're out of that. And they called it that, you know. We're out of that like it was honey mustard. You know? Like it wasn't the main thing. Like y'all are literally the king of burgers. Right? <laughs> You're like a sovereign over it. You're royalty of burgers. You know they give away crowns at Burger King. Crowns to show how kingly they are over burgers. And they're out of of burgers, of all things. The, 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 the picture here is that 
there is a, a situation where this tree has really a, a good reason to be out of things, to be broken and dried up. Because there's seasons, it says, that, that, that would wither that tree. But the tree doesn't wither for some reason. There are seasons that ought to stifle the fruit bearing of the tree or the man. But the fruit continues to be produced. Life continues to be given. There are seasons where he ought not to prosper. Where there ought not to be the, the blessings and the favor of God. But nonetheless, the man seems to prosper in, in some way. The tree seems to prosper. And it has everything to do with the location of the tree. Uh, with, with the roots of the tree. Because the outside circumstances are the same as every other tree. It's hot. It's windy. It's drought. It's the same for this tree. But this tree's roots are driving deep and reaching through the soil into that stream, into that river. He is nourished by something unseen and invisible. Friends, when it is withering season, and it will come, the fruit of the tree tells the source of life. And that's true for us as well. In the scorching conditions of your life, it matters where our roots are reaching. Psalm 46 says this, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. And for those in Christ, that river is accessible to all of us. The circumstances are not your source. But thirdly, lastly, there is nothing like being known by God. There's nothing like being known by God. Verse 6, For the Lord knows, He knows the way of the righteous. The word yada here is a, a word that doesn't mean just knowledge. Uh, it really is nuanced in this text. It means a, a familiarity, a deep closeness, even a, a union with. And you've seen that word yada or to be known used that way elsewhere in Scripture. There is a union of the Lord God with the ways of man. The Lord knows he knows the way of the righteous. It's familiarity. I mean, it's, that's fatherhood is what that is. He's watching. He's knowing. Every time you've suffered loss, guess what? It wasn't unknown. The Lord wrote that in his book. The, 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 the Lord stored that tear in his bottle. The Lord counted that loss. Every time you've done right, students... And you've been reviled, as the scripture said. You've been reviled for not running with them into the same flood of debauchery. And, and, and you suffered for that. Guess what? The Lord knew your way. The Lord was united with that. It's not lost. When you face him one day, there's going to be reward for that. It wasn't unknown. I love watching kids uh, perform up here uh, on the stand and uh, sing a song. And they've done a great job lately doing that. I love to watch their eyes when they first get here. I mean, they're searching and scanning for whoever their person is, for mom and for dad. Some of them just cannot bring themselves to sing until they find those eyes, until there's contact made between the one that's important to them to, that, that sees and the one being seen in that moment. I always, you know, like a good dad, I always try to hide from my kids in those moments, you know? Make them squirm. Not really. I love them. But, um, but you know what I mean. It's important to be seen sometimes. 
When you do well, it's important to be seen. But listen, uh, when we struggle and fall, it's important that we know the Savior knows the way of the righteous, right? He, he, he's united with us. He watches us. There is forgiveness. There is restoration there. Psalm 73 says this, and we'll finish. Psalm 73 later in this, this same uh, book of the Bible, the writer says this, For I was envious of the arrogant. When I saw the prosperity, it seemed like the wicked were, pros were prospering. Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in their riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. But you hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forevermore. You say he prospers and all he does? I haven't prospered, Matthew. Maybe according to the counsel of the wicked, you haven't prospered in all that you've done. But the personal presence of the eternal God the watchful eye of a loving father, the rich rewards of his wisdom, the permanence of his irrevocable promises. This is the overwhelming portion and the profound prosperity of those whose lives are planted in God. In all he does, he prospers. And so this morning, let me ask you, can it be said of you that you are blessed in this way. Are you blessed? Where are you walking? Where are you standing? Where are you sitting? Where have you planted your life? Who has your trust? Who's watching you? There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. What changes do you need to make to have a fully nourished life by the waters of God's blessing? He hears you this morning. And he'll help you. Let, let me pray for it. Just a moment. I'd like to offer you a time of response. And maybe you need to come to God and just tell him this morning that you want this type of blessing. This is not the blessing you've had or, or maybe you've even been far from him in some ways. But... Today is the day that you can come and make known to the Lord that you want him to be watching your ways. That you want to be this tree, this man, this woman uh, that bears fruit for him in whatever the season is. That you want your roots dipped deep into the nourishing flow of who God is. He'll receive you this morning. Maybe you need to come today and make some other decision. Or maybe you come this morning and seek believer's baptism. Maybe you come this morning and satisfy that need, that call that you've been battling with for a long time to finally be saved, to trust yourself to Jesus Christ. Maybe you come for church membership and unite with this fellowship and our mission here. We'd receive you gladly and celebrate that you're
you're a part of us. Lord, we thank you today for the word of God and thank you for trusting it to us. I pray today, Lord, that you will take it and do with it what we cannot do. You plan in our lives. Lord, make us more like you. We want to honor you, Lord. And Lord, we want to be blessed in the way that only you can so if we're following other things, turn our eyes towards Jesus. Place our feet on his path. Help us to rise from the seat of the wicked. Take our place on the journey you have for us. Lord, Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing, and as we do, I invite you to respond.